Welcome to the At The Yard Podcast. Today's guest is Chapman University head coach Scott Laverty. He's going to take us through his playing days at UCR, his transition into coaching, and the magical ride that they experienced last year at Chapman winning the national championship. All that and much more on episode 57 of the At The Yard Podcast. Welcome back to the At The Yard Podcast. Really excited about today's guest, Scott Laverty from Chapman University. Lav, man, thanks for making some time to hopping on the podcast for me. My pleasure, Les. A lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Hey, so, you know, kind of a crazy time in our lives. I mean, this is about every other coach I've asked this question to. So, got to ask you what sort of things you're doing to keep yourself busy, keep yourself sane, and keep yourself sharp. <laughs> yeah. You know, first and foremost, everybody's healthy. Uh, my family, uh, all of our players, um, you know, so that's been that's been the blessing uh, to start right there. Uh, other than that, uh, you know, just trying to do the normal things that everybody's doing, trying to figure out some new norms that are going to be occurring out of this. But I look at this as a really neat transition for coaching. Um, there's going to be so many things that come out of this, stuff like this, just these all, all these podcasts, how they've blossomed and bloomed. From a recruiting standpoint, how many Zoom interviews we've done already? Uh, Coach McMullen, our recruiting coordinator, has been on top of it doing Zoom interviews with with our 21s, with with people that we can reach out to uh, and start to utilize those things. Um, and it's something that we didn't really utilize in the past. And so I think if we look at the you know the great things that can come out of this, we can really learn a lot to continue to forward. Our our, uh, our game, our recruiting habits, how it works, how we can continue to inform players and give them the the right information on what their opportunities are at a certain institution. So I think it's there's a lot of neat things that can come out of this as well. Yeah, you know that seems to be the consensus, right? I mean, you you're, there's a lot of learning opportunity for for guys, and it seems like they're going to try to take those strategies into whatever the new norm is, right? Correct. Yes. And I think this is this is a point in time that if you don't do some of these things, you're going to get left behind fast. Yeah, that's a really that's a really strong point. So, Lab, Lab let's jump in, man, because, I mean, we got so much to cover here, man. And I'm pumped. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be a lot of fun here. So let's go back to your college playing days there at UC Riverside. Yeah. 92 to 94. You spent some time there at UC Riverside under legendary coach Jack Smitherin and you know, 94, you guys go all the way, D2 national champs. I mean, your last year there, I mean, you guys put it all together, make a run and, and win the championship. And just kind of walk us through that experience, you know, for you as a player, uh, you, know, yeah. and I, I, you know, you went back and coached for Coach Smitherin, so obviously he means yeah. a lot to you in your life. And, you know, I'm just curious, you know, that experience of, of, of winning it all for, you know, not only yourself as a player, but for him as a coach. Yeah, well, we actually lost in the in the championship, um, so we didn't win. We we went to the World Series, but we lost. Um, and so, um, but I mean, just the opportunity to get there, um, you know, as a player was uh, was was fantastic. We lost to a good Central Missouri team um, that ended up beating us um, there. And so, um, but having the opportunity to play for for Coach Smitherin was was amazing. It was a great learning experience. Um, I actually I graduated high school in 1990 and went to the University of Arizona and played for legendary coach Jerry Kindle as a freshman and um, but just like uh, I was a recruited walk-on and this is a story that I tell to all the recruits all the time that are looking at Chapman or some D1s and say hey I was in your shoes I was you know I was Riverside a D2 or University of Arizona uh, were kind of my last two and gosh you know as a dumb you know 18 year old senior in high school, I'm like, well, shoot, I'm going to go to University of Arizona wants me there. I'm going to go, you know, (laughs) and um, Coach Kindle was fantastic, just a fantastic human being. And, uh, you know, but they're they're good. And and they had uh, a shortstop and they had a couple middle infielders that were young that had more money than me that were going to play more than me. 
And ultimately, when I got to the end of my first year there at Arizona, I'm just like, I just want to play uh, and I want the opportunity to play. And so that's when I transferred back to, to UCR in, in, in 92 and then finished my career there through 94. We went to two to regionals in 92 um, and, you know, and then the regionals in the World Series in, in 94, but unfortunately lost, um, you know, in the World Series. But oh, what a wonderful, wonderful experience, uh, you know, to, to do that um, and, and get that far it's just a special time with a with a group of friends that are different than any of the the type of friends and teammates that you're going to have even at high school pro um you know those are the special groups that you like to uh you know they like to be with yeah man my mistake there bad, oh. bad research on my part there no worries <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I, I thought i had that right but you know my apologies so no worries open up some wounds there but no uh, no you know so you finished playing there in in 94 at riverside and spent a couple years playing some indie ball and i mean indie ball I mean, everybody has a perception of, of what it is for a guy that spent a couple years in there. You know, take us through that experience a little bit. Sure. What a neat experience. I mean, during that time, there were still a few indie teams. I, I didn't play the, the, the leagues that I played in were fully independent, but there were still some indie teams that played some of the affiliated teams, you know, way back then they might've been in the Sally league or whatever. They just were independent and didn't, um, didn't weren't affiliated with a major league team. So it was still a, a lot different uh, and closer to the, the, the minor leagues. And now it's even maybe even a little bit better with how much stuff they've got going on and all the things they've got going on. What a terrific experience to, to play, uh, to continue to play, um, you know, to get paid to do what you love. I mean, that's, that's, that was an awesome thing for me. It was the first time that I ever had my name on the back of my Jersey. Um, you know, so I remember, uh, in Palm Springs when opening day came and I went to my locker and it said Laverty on the back of my jersey. I was just like, wow, this is cool, <laughs> you know? And uh, so just just neat times to try and grind through and, and play and, and, and have fun. Um, different beasts, pro ball, when you're, when you're trying to do things to get yourself noticed and by teams and move up. And, and it's a different zone. That's why I say that college experience with those teammates is so special because you're usually there for a common goal uh, of winning baseball games. And that's not always the case in pro ball. Uh, some people are just looking to move up do what they can for themselves. And, uh, you know, so it was different, but it still had two very, very, you know, good experiences in, in, in the indie ball circuit. And just to say that I got to play professional baseball and, and for me to put my, put, put my name on the back of my Jersey for the first time was really cool. So take us through the decision process to walk away from playing. So pretty easy. The manager <laughs> called me and said, we're going to release you. <laughs> so, but for me, I was in Evansville, Indiana, um, and uh, the Evansville Otters. And Evansville Bossy Field is one of the fields pictured in the movie A League of Their Own with Tom Hanks and, and everybody. Yeah. And it's the one where there's no crying in baseball. You see him in a big sunken dugout, and he says, there's no crying in baseball. Yeah. That's Bossy Field. And so it was really neat to, to, to get that opportunity. But I was in Evansville, and Coach called me, and he said, you know, Ed Lav, we, we just don't got a spot for you this year. Uh, and But I want you to stay in coach. I need a, I need a hitting coach. Um, and I want you to coach third. And, and so I'm like, well, it's better than going home. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I actually got the opportunity to coach. And I figured this, this was the best way for me to really figure out. I, I thought I'd had coaching in the back of my mind a little bit. And so I figured it was the best way for me to figure out if I really wanted to coach, if this is what I wanted to do. We were going to coach 90 games over the summer and and go from there. So uh, we ended up having we, – we got off to like an 0-10 start. Okay. But then we went like 55-12 and 12 after that or something like that. It was – you know, we, we made it all the way championship series and lost in the championship game. Uh, we won the first one, lost the second one, and then lost again. So lost the, the championship game in that series. But that really gave me the itch to coach. I'm like, hey, yeah, you know, I could really see myself doing this. Uh, so I used that to, uh, you know, catapult me in to go back and talk to Coach Smithern and, and Coach Smith there at UCR said, Hey, I, I think I want to coach, you know, uh, I'd love to, to come and help out. And they're like, yep, come on back. And I uh, got my master's, uh, did my master's at Cal Baptist while I was coaching and working at Western athletic, the old mail order catalog. Do you remember? Western oh yeah. Athletic? Yeah. Yeah. Working in there in the morning. Cause they were right in Riverside, just a couple miles from, from the sports center there. So I would go in at 6am and, and do help them out with customer service and, 
you know, books. I was an, I was a business accounting guy, so I'd help them with stuff like that <clears throat> from six to noon, and then I would go to the field and coach. You know, so <laughs> so yeah. I mean that that I mean that transition back to to UC Riverside seemed like it was it was a pretty seamless one for you, and you know, you spent three years there as an assistant, right? I mean, under again Coach Smitherin, and uh, you know, but then in '99. You get a call, right? To yeah. Hey, you know, University of Redlands gives you a buzz, and they interview you, and then they give you the second call that you always want to get that that you're hired. And so, you spent. A, I mean, you had a pretty lengthy time there, right? And, and a lot of success. Yeah. And so, how instrumental was you know Coach Smither and Coach Smith? You know the the experience of indie ball, your three years at Riverside, and and helping you land that job. Yeah, uh, extremely. Uh, and and another factor. Being one of my former teammates at UC Riverside, Mike Eason, who was a Redlands uh, high grad, his dad, Dave Eason, has been long involved with Redlands baseball for youth and in the, the youth leagues there. And they were a supporter of mine, too. Uh, the, the, the athletic director at Redlands uh, contacted Dave and said, Hey, we're, we got a baseball spot open, you know, who, who might be a good fit for this. And Dave threw out my name and that's kind of how it started a little bit. And so uh, I was just real fortunate to have, to make those connections and have the impact and, and make a positive impact on some of those people that when that came up, my name came out. Uh, and then to have the backing of coach Smitherin uh, and coach Smith and the, and what we've done at, at UC Riverside and the program that it, it turned out to be and the people that it, it turned out to be quality citizens you know, just kind of hopefully just put it all together uh, for me to get that that opportunity to, to move to Redland. So I, I think making those connections and, and doing those things and you just never know when one of those connections might help you. And in, in my case, it was extremely lucky because I consider myself to be very, very fortunate uh, to be a head coach at 27 of a college program. Pretty lucky. Uh, I I say it all the time. I worked hard. I did everything to try and put myself in the best possible position, but there was still some some luck there involved in just getting my name out. Um, but also, I believe that I made you know one of my favorite things to tell our guys is, hey, sometimes you just got to make your own luck. And uh, you know, hopefully, I made some of my own luck by just being a good person, a quality coach um, that made Dave Eason think of my name uh, when when somebody asked, hey, who might be a good candidate for our program? And and my name came out, and I, I hope that that's because of who I was and what I was trying to do within the game and the person that I was. Yeah, and once you got there, I mean, you know, 298 wins over 14 seasons, I mean, that speaks for itself. But, I mean, nine straight seasons of 500 or better. And I'm curious to know, you know, not all too familiar with Redlands baseball prior to 99, you know, what was the – I mean, obviously if there's a coaching change, something, you know, triggered that. But I'm curious to know what the state of the program was when you got there and and what do you think – you know, it was that, that helped you kind of get that thing going and have the success that you did. Sure. My, my opinion, I mean, the state wasn't very good. Redlands baseball has got a good tradition, uh, had, had a good tradition world series team in 85, uh, I believe was, was the year that they, they went. So they, they had some peaks and valleys in my opinion, if you look at their, um, their, their tradition and some, a lot of great baseball alum, strong alumni base, which is fantastic. And, but when I got there was not great in my opinion. And, um, and it's true. You need four years to turn a program around and, and basically, you know, first year kind of being a wash, you know, the next year we won nine games, we went nine and 30, but then four years later we were 30 and nine. Um, and to me at that level, it was culture. Um, it was just finding, uh, you know, a little bit better players. That is important. I mean, I don't care how good a coach you are. You have to have some players, <clears throat> but it was doing the due diligence to find better players. And in baseball, it's true. It's the fit. So we were finding players that, that we felt fit our program. And I think, uh, I'm sure that's probably one of the things we'll discuss a little bit later on. Uh, I'll come back to that fit word, but, uh, you know, that was key in, in getting, you know, people in, uh, people that wanted to work, um, people that wanted to play baseball too. I, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of programs that fall into players that are, you know, they're, they're just kind of happy to play baseball and they're, they're there for school. And I've always been a proponent of, Hey, we can do both. We can, we can have success. That's a life lesson. Um, when, when the boss, if you go to work for IBM and the boss says you got to stay late 
to finish this project and you miss dinner with the family, you miss taking your kids to the park, that's life. But if you do well and then the boss says you get to go home early, well, then you get to take them to the park. You get to do these things. And so those that's the trade-offs. And so that's the same trade-off that you're in in a, in a college atmosphere. There are some times that when one thing is more important than the other. So there's going to be times when, hey, academics is more important. Uh, I got to do extra studying for midterms. I got to do this. But then there's going to be times where I don't have any homework. I don't have any tests coming up. So then I can move to the other side and and do more on the baseball side of things. So, so that's been always one of my things was finding those players that wanted to be there for the right reasons of uh, attain, attaining a degree but being the best baseball, baseball player I could be as well and so that was kind of the starting point to, to getting that going and then once we had it rolling um, you know it uh, you know I think I started to get a little bit better as a coach and you know uh, settle down a little bit from those young days <laughs> where you get all fiery and excited and but <clears throat> continue to learn and that's been always one of my big things is trying to learn and grow as a as a coach and um, you know so that, that got us on that roll uh, with all the, that success yeah you talked about the 30 wins I mean school record right? and you guys did that twice couple conference championships and then yep. you know I mean in 2003, you know, June 2003, the opportunity comes up at Chapman. Um, you know, obviously you throw your name in the hat there and, and you get the call there. And in June, uh, sorry, 2013. Yes. Uh, June 2013, not 2003. Uh, yeah. You, you become, you're the, named the, the 14th head coach all time in Chapman history. Talk about that transition because, I mean, you're talking about a league opponent. Uh, you know, you're talking about, hey, you're facing these guys for the last 14 years. Now you're on the other side of the fence. So yeah. what was that transition like for you? And, and what ultimately led you to make that move? Yeah, very, very difficult choice. Um, but it came down to a personal one in the sense that uh, I live here in Yorba Linda, Placentia area, and was yeah, commuting to Redlands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so I was commuting to Redlands all of those years because uh, when this came up, I wasn't looking to leave Redlands. I was very, very happy um, and still very happy about my time there. Um, but when this opportunity came up, I, I felt that I had to look at it. Um, my daughter was just born, uh, you know, so to be closer to home, to have that opportunity to be with her and the things ultimately was the, the, the turning point of going, uh, you know, I, I just need to take a look at it. I didn't know if they were going to be interested or what the situation was, but you know, I, um, Dave Curry was the athletic director that hired me at Chapman and I'd had some interactions with him. And so, you know, we talked and, you know, uh, I, I turned in the application and next thing you know, you know, they were offering it to me. So, um, I, I felt it was the right time for me, um, to make a decision, uh, you know, that, that was right for, for my family. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's turned out to be a good one. I, I miss Redlands. I, I love them to death. Um, but I was very, very appreciative of, of everybody at Redlands, my fellow coaches, my, the administration, all my former players that, that knew why I was doing it. I was doing it basically, you know, for my family, for my daughter, um, you know, to be closer, to be, you know, to have that opportunity, um, you know, to, to do that and, and also take over a Chapman program that's, that's one of the best. Um, and so I was very appreciative of, of all the Redlands crew that I still stay in, in, in a lot of contact with. Um, for their understanding, because it was painful. It was it was tough to, to put all that blood, sweat, and tears in for 14 years to build it up. But I was very excited that I could, you know, that Coach Holly, who had played for me and coached with me, that's the head coach there at Redlands, um, you know, he was there 12 of my 14 years, so I knew it was in good hands, and, and obviously they've done well um, in in that time that I've left as well. So so that was the <clears throat> the main thing. Uh, you know, being able to take over a Chapman program with the storied history that it, ha it has, but also my, my family reasons of, of being closer to home. And that's turned into me volunteering in my daughter's class once a week for the last three years, you know, while she's in school and kindergarten, and all those things. And I get to do that. And, and so uh, it, it, it's been you know a great transition. Well, you, you can't put a price tag on that, right? I mean, come on. I mean, let, let's face it. I mean, that's far more important than anything on a baseball field. And and, and you talked about the commute, right? I mean, you, you yeah. got, you're you looking at 10, 15 minutes tops either way to, to, yeah. to Hart Park there in Chapman and yeah. you know, versus the traffic all the way out to Redlands. But Yeah, my, you, my commute went from 100 miles a day to 14. Well, so. <laughs> there you have it, right? So, can't yep. beat that, yeah. Yep. So yep. You, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you believe that it takes, you know, four years to really 
kind of get things going. Um, you know, I, you didn't walk into a bare cupboard, that's for sure. But let's fast forward to last year because, I mean, yeah. this is – I mean, this is where everything kind of comes to a head for you, right? And just, I mean, a magical year, right? And, yeah. and, and, and accolades, 44 wins, a school record, you know, for your first conference title at Chapman. And, and you know, the the grand prize, right, winning the national championship. And yeah. and I, I want I to just go to, like, the moment you're handed the trophy, right, on, on the field. Because I saw a picture of you, and, I mean, you're, yeah. your smile's ear to ear, man. Yeah. couldn't have gotten any bigger. And, yeah. And what's running through your mind when they're handing you the national championship trophy? Well, <clears throat> it's it's tough because there's there's so many emotions. Um, you know, the excitement, the the relief. You know, to 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 do it. Um, you know, the just being proud of the of the guys and and, and you know what they were able to accomplish and. And what you were able to help them accomplish. I mean, because ultimately that's our, our job as a coach. Uh, you know, I say it a lot, you know, when they're playing good, you just let them go. <laughs> Here you go, guys. But <clears throat> when they start to struggle, that's when we as coaches have to come in and, and, and help them, whether it's hitting, pitching, fielding, whatever. And so to be able to you know, have that success and help them uh, overcome obstacles that we came you know, came through throughout the season and, and just have that opportunity. So uh, it's just kind of blissful. You know, at the at the beginning, um, I, I about a week later. It took me a week to really figure out this point, which I think is just has ruled the day since the the, the championship. And it's 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 an overwhelming feeling of humbleness. And for me, <clears throat> excuse me, that came from working all this time um, as a player, as a coach wanting to get to that point and win it and to actually do it, you know, and how special that is and how tough it is. Uh, it was very humbling, but to me, it was very humbling because especially if some of the coaches that were there in the world series with me, um, coach Kirsch at Webster were good friends. Um, uh, coach Weisberg at Birmingham Southern, who we beat, we became good friends, coach noon at Babson, um, you know, a lot of those coaches, I've had multiple interactions. I've been on ABCA boards with them, um, and they are just 100% quality human beings, coaches, and they deserve it too. And I would want them. Uh, I'd be extremely happy for them, and I think they deserve to have that opportunity sometime in the future as well. So for me to be the one for our team, uh, for me to be the the steward of that team that 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 won it was 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 pretty special and, and humbling for those things because I know all those good guys that worked so hard to get there um, that, that they weren't able to accomplish it. And, um, you know, so it just makes it even that much more special. Yeah, and, and I got to ask, I mean, at what point did you – because, I mean, I, I can kind of sense the emotion in your voice now, but, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure at some point – it was fairly emotional for you, right? I mean, did you did you think back to '94 as a player? You know, kind of losing there. Did you think back to when you were coaching indie ball when you guys, yeah. you know, lost, lost there? I mean, how was that? How did that play out for you? Yeah, um, you know, not before <clears throat> before we went to the World Series last year. Um, you know, as we were leading up to to get out there, uh, I think some of those things. But once we got there. Uh, everybody was so focused on task at hand uh, that that's that's all that we had time for. Um, I mean, this this was a really really uh, well balanced, energized, even keeled team um, that could even. Because uh, I'm as competitive as heck, and and I remember one time during our Whitman regional um, that you know something didn't go our way. I wasn't real happy with and. I'm kind of gritting my teeth and might've been saying a few things under my teeth and our shortstop, Jerry Penniman comes up and puts his hand on my shoulder. Coach, we're all right. We're good. We're good. We got you, you know? Um, and I think those are special things. Those are the, the camaraderie and, and things that you have between player and coach still that you need as well. Um, and, and so it's just a special, special team that, you know, that knew what they wanted to do and, and, uh, you know, was able to accomplish it. So I think, you know, more, it was more task at hand than any of us thinking of losing in the regional the year before or anything like that. It was, Hey, okay, you know, let's, let's continue to play our game. When that moment happened with your shortstop, did you kind of take a step back and say like, wow, that, I mean, we're good. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, it was kind of an instant 
instant pride moment uh, going that, you know, we, we say as people, as human beings, lots of times do as I say, not as, all, as I always do. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, people get competitive and coaches get competitive and, and they might get frustrated at something. And, and so it was it was kind of a prideful moment going, you know, hey, he, he knows he knows that 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 I'm just a little frustrated and, and want the best for them. Um, and what players don't understand sometimes is coaches frustration can boil over a, a little bit more because we can't do anything about it i don't get to swing the bat anymore i don't get to make a play it short um and so sometimes those those things kick up just a little bit when when you want it so bad for them yeah i mean just looking looking over you know the the schedule there i mean you guys had two two game losing streaks right a, a nine game and a 10 game winning streak i mean at what point during the season do you say this is a pretty special team, and we might be able to do some special things. Yeah. <clears throat> we, we thought that from the get-go. Um, we knew getting to the regional the year before. Um, and let me back up a second because I think this is an important thing for, for players and coaches alike to understand because I, I, I didn't really think understand it before I got to Chapman. Uh, but when I got to Chapman, obviously you had mentioned before, it's not bear covered. I mean, we're pretty darn good. Um, and we had some really good players, uh, but it was surprising still as good as though I loved all, all the, all the Chapman guys that I got to play that played for my predecessor. Good, good people. We did a lot of good things. Um, but there's, there still was a four year cycle, uh, to kind of make it, you know, what I wanted it to be. Um, and so that was interesting to me because I didn't think it would take that long per se, uh, but it's still, it is um, a little bit of difference of guys that you might recruit to, to somebody else. And so um, it's still, even though we had success in, in winning games and going to the conference tournament, uh, you know, pretty much all but one year where we had some devastating injuries, um, you know, it still, you know, kind of took that four year cycle to, to kind of get us going. Um, but, um, oh shoot, I lost track now. Um, on, um, what was that question again? It's just, um, you know, when did you feel that you guys were a special team or had a oh, chance to yes, do some special you. things? Thank you. Yeah. So, so it started back, you know, getting things going, but then it started back the year before getting back to the regional for the first time, um, you know, since, uh, 2012 or whenever, when they were runners up to Marietta. So getting back into that regional, you know, was the first step and getting players with regional experience. That's important. It's such a different different beast so that was kind of the first step so even though losing in 2018 in the regional we knew we were returning a great group that had now had regional experience that knew what it was to be there and so we had high expectations right from the get-go we knew that this is a team that could get into the playoffs and then and then move forward and then another neat thing about this group uh, that, that you look about as as you look back on everything you know we were we were ranked in the top 25 to start the season. We were 17th or 18th um, by collegiate baseball and, and D3. We were right right there. Uh, we were picked to win the conference. Um, then as we get through the season, you know, we're staying on top of the conference. We were, as the regional rankings start to come out towards the end of the year, we were the number one team every week. Um, then when we get into playoffs, you know, we're, We'd be the number one team in the West, so we get to host the regional. We win that. We get to host the Super Regional, win that. And then as we get to the World Series, we're the highest-ranked team left. Um, and so basically, wow. for all intents and purposes, we're the number one team in the in the World Series with the number one seed. And and to me, that's something that's really special. To be number one, to be have those expectations on your shoulders all year long is, is pretty neat. Lots of times you see those expectations, you know, grow too large for some people and that, and it, and it collapses them and they, they lose, you know, in a regional or super regional. So that was pretty neat uh, for, for those guys. So we thought we had something special right from the get go. And, you know, obviously it proved out to be the case. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, just, I mean, that, 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 it's got to be a magical run, right? I mean, yeah. it's just to be able to accomplish what you set out to accomplish. And like you said, have that, you know, whether it's internal or external pressure of being the number one team, you're expected to do that, right? And then to actually go out and do it had to be a pretty rewarding feeling. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, Lav, you spent a lot of time coaching, you know, various different college summer leagues as well. And <laughs> I'm interested to know, like, how has that experience helped you 
when you know when you get back to campus i mean because you're seeing players i'm assuming from all over either the west or all over the country you know how, how have those experiences helped you in, in in what you're doing at chapman i think it helped me grow as a coach it helped the experience of of you know being able to do those things but um coaching in Cheyenne, you know, in a, in a mid-level league that was a lot of fun, great area, but then coaching in Wisconsin Rapids, which is the Northwoods League, which is arguably, you know, one of the top three leagues, you know, out there and having the opportunity to coach, you know, we had a D1 players from all over the, 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 the country. And for me, it was just solidifying to see that, you know, hey, yeah, this D1 player, you know, he's got some special abilities, but it's not that far off from, you know, some of the guys that we get, yeah. you know. Um, and so I think that helped um, the understanding of, you know, being able to go out on the recruiting trail and and have somebody that's interested. I mean, we, we butt heads with a lot of the West Coast Conference schools, Pepperdine, um, Santa Clara, Gonzaga. Um, we recruit a lot of the same people because academic and um you know those types of standards you know we're, we're we're looking at things so we you know if we lose somebody to pepperdine we know that we're we're in the right spot we're recruiting the right person and uh, but it helps me help them understand guys you know you know we're recruited walk on spot you know at pepperdine you know here's what i here's my experience and this is what it might mean and 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 so i can help them understand what they're what they're looking at and what their opportunities are, are are at Chapman. So I think it's it really helped me you know develop as a coach, develop and seeing some of the the players and how a lot of are alike uh, in, a, in a lot of different ways. And then being able to translate and relay that to to kids that we're we're talking to that uh, might be interested in Chapman. You know, we, this is a great segue into recruiting because this is where I really want to dive in with you here. And and you know, we you talked about earlier. You know, you're looking for guys that that fit the program right and fit could mean a number of different things to a number of different people but I got to imagine that you're looking for guys that not only fit the program but fit the personalities of the coaches within the program and then you know the players that are still there too right correct so perfect so here's my my spiel this is what I task our uh, assistant coaches with uh, as we go out and recruit there's three things that we look for we want good people that's number one good people who have some ability. We talked about this, uh, hit on it a little bit ago. I could be the best coach in the world, but if you can't play, you can't play. Um, you need to have some ability. Sure. And then for us, you got to want to learn. So those are the three things that we start with when we go out. And like you said, um, the coaches are going to have their different things. All Every program is going to have something like that that's important to them. They might not, They might not say it or identify it, as such, like like we do, one, two, three, you know, they might just have this innate culture that, that, that what they're looking for, but they've got it identified uh, on what they're looking for. And for us, that's what we're looking for. We want good people who have some ability that want to learn. That's what we start with. And then obviously you have to start to fit other parameters. You have to be a good student. You have to, you know, um, you know, it's not inexpensive. You might either have to earn, you know, a lot of money merit scholarship wise, or, or maybe you're lucky enough that parents have saved, you know, for your education, whatever the, the situation may be. So you might have to find some of those other things as well, but that's what we're going to start with is, is those three things to, to, to task and, and find the guys that we think. And usually that good people one there is, is, the culture part that you're talking about, we're going to know right away, you know, and we're just not, I don't care if I think you're the best player I've ever seen. If I don't think you're a good person and going to fit that, you know, program wise, then we're, we're just going to move on. Yeah. So we're going to bounce back and forth here between recruiting and culture. And I'm curious, you know, you, you brought it up there. What, what sort of things do you guys do to, to cultivate the culture? Uh, you know, you talked about, hey, we, you know, I didn't walk into a bare cupboard, but it still took four years, right? But yeah. to get it, to, I think you said, to what I want, right? I mean, the culture, right? You have to yeah. establish the culture, what you wanted as the head coach. So what sort of things are you doing as not only as a head coach, but as a staff to cultivate that culture within your program? So first and foremost, I think it's earning the respect uh, of your players and uh, what you're doing, your knowledge base. Um, and, and how you're doing things. Um, then number two, it's involving them. Um, one of the big things and one of the big keys for all of our pitching success and Coach Edwards, how great he is, but one of his big things is 
he works hard on the upperclassmen to take care of the underclassmen. You show him what you're supposed to do here because uh, there's no – you know, I can tell them when until we're blue in the face, but there, there's no better than your peers being able to. This is how we do it here. Um, Nick Garcia, who's going to be our top three round draft pick this year. Um, Dave Roberts from the Dodgers just called me. Dave and I played against each other and known each other for a while, and and I guess the Dodgers are super interested. And he just called me this morning. You know, talking <laughs> about Nick, it was awesome. It's something I'm I'm relishing in uh, having having Nick, but. You know, as good as Nick is and the accolades that he's going to get and the you know, draft status that he's going to earn here in a couple of days, man, he was. we had five freshmen that he was just taking him them under his wing, um, you know, showing them uh, what to do and, and how we do it at, at Chapman. And so, um, you know, those types of things are key um, in, in building that, that culture, um, trying to do things, you know, work together. Uh, you know, empower the players to, you know, do things. Uh, we, you know, I kick it off with an angel stadium. We go to an angel game every, every year. We, we tailgate right when we get back. Um, so doing anything like that to, to build that culture and then set the onus on some of your, your captains to do the same. I know they do a lot of Sunday night football barbecues, you know, during the fall to kind of get each other going. Uh, we work hard on the recruitment part piece as well to not bring in too many players you know our roster right now is 36 um and so we uh we we want to be able to build that culture right from the get-go and not have 50 players and if you guys got people trying out and different things some of the upperclassmen go i don't know who to talk to because you know um <laughs> i don't know if he's been here right. month, yeah. you know? and so, um so i think those are some of the things that uh, that, that we do to try and you know uh, build that that culture um another thing that i think is important is that a long time ago when I was at Redlands, I, I defined leadership um, because everybody's asking people to lead and, and, and do all these things. And, and uh, so I define leadership as helping somebody get better uh, because I think in sports, a lot of times people, uh, when things start to go wrong, the first thing is your so-called team captain might just yell out, come on, guys, pick it up, you know, and you kind of look and go, well, pick up what you want to pick up trash what are we what are we doing there's no information given and so um i define leadership as helping get helping somebody get better because if you're helping them get better you're usually giving them information to get better so hey come on tommy we need you to run through first base you might have beaten that out um you know or hey remember next time that double cut there was a runner on first we're going home you need to be here and if you put it that simply it also hopefully takes people out of their defensive zone because uh, usually come on pick it up puts people in a defensive zone well what do you mean you know um but if you just give information hey tommy remember that double cut is here not here oh gosh sorry my you know i forgot about that you're right you know and so it kind of takes them out of that defensive zone so building some of those culture things through what you're doing off the field, but some of those things on the field, like like that as well. Yeah, you know, and I was gonna bring him up later, but I, I, I mean, we let's just jump into Nick Garcia yeah. now. <laughs> you know, let, yeah. I mean, take us through the recruitment of Nick Garcia, or how did he get to Chapman? Yeah, because it, I mean, it, listen, I mean, it's not often you see guys, you know, at, at that level that are good talked about top two, three rounds. Right. Yeah. Um, so Nick uh, went to Sarah High School uh, in San Mateo, up north, Northern California. Um, in all my 21 years, I've had more Sarah kids play for me than any other high school. Um, I had a lot at Redlands, and, and we had three or four on our championship team, and still a couple, um, you know, now, and we're recruiting a few more. So um, just been a really good place for, for me, and uh, the coaching staffs there have just always built quality human beings and good players. So, um, so coach Fox, our recruiting coordinator at the time saw, saw Nick and Nick was uh, somebody that blossomed a little bit early, was getting a lot of D one interest at, you know, f between freshman and sophomore year, big, you know, six, four body, left-handed bat, first baseman, third baseman, didn't pitch a whole lot, pitched a little bit for Sarah in the summertime, you know, but never really pitched during the seasons was first baseman, third baseman. Um, but got a lot of look or looks early and then kind of just plateaued out a little bit, you know, just nobody was pulling the trigger. He was doing good, but not great. Um, and so I think he kind of fell out of the division one stuff, you know, just nobody pulling the trigger and people saying, Hey, uh, hang in there. And, and we got to him, got him on campus and, uh, Nick committed to us 
fairly early for us, you know, fall of his, his senior year, um, pretty early, like September, October. And that's, that's early. We'll get every once in a while, we'll get someone that early. Most of the time, you know, the last four or five years, most of our class comes in our early portion, but that's December, January, you know, where we're getting people committed. But, but I, I think Nick fell in love with us and the school and, and what we, what we had to offer. And uh, so he just was done. He wanted to make his commitment and, and, and committed to us. And so he came in, um, you know, as a first baseman, third baseman. Uh, he played half the season at third base for us um, to start as a freshman. Um, and we found out Nick, he did okay. Uh, but then we found out that Nick can't hit the curveball. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he started to struggle a little bit and, and you know, some uh, some other people ended up playing third, and, and somebody got hurt, and we ended up moving one of our catchers back there, um, who played the rest of the season there. Um, but then we started to go. We always knew kind of Coach Fox in the in his recruitment of Nick, knowing, knowing hey, he's a big, strong kid, he's got a great arm. You know, uh, we have Coach Edwards has a great tradition of turning position players into pitchers, and so that's always in the back of our mind when we go out and recruit. Hey, you know, maybe they, if they don't turn out as a as a hitter, we can put them on the mound, and Coach Edwards will do his magic. Um, and so. So at the end of his freshman year, he didn't throw any innings for us as a freshman, uh, but we started to throw bullpens with him and then sent him away during the summer. And he played in the New York uh, Collegiate League out there and, uh, you know, just pitched pretty much the whole time and was 88 to 91, you know, and just really starting to get things going. Um, came back in the in the fall and we were still thinking about hitting a little bit and then just decided, you know, he and it's one of the ways that I work. Uh, I'm not the person I work with them on trying to figure out hitter pitcher. Uh, I don't really designate and, you know, but you kind of put some inklings in their mind and, you know, it, it Nick's like, yeah, I think I'm probably should just pitch and I'm like, yeah, Nick, that's probably a good. <laughs> and uh, so then he just started to work and it, and it took off from there. His first outing in Arizona, um, you know, where we had our closer back who was a freshman and, you know, he, was closing out a game against Pacific and had a little bit of trouble. And we just thought it was the right time to bring in Nick bases loaded one out. I think his bases loaded nobody out and we're, and we're up by two and just Nick blows fastballs by three guys in a row. I mean, it just was silly. Um, and cause we were concerned a little bit about his control. We weren't sure, sure exactly where he was going to be, you know, just learning all this stuff. And, and when that happened, we're like, Oh, we might have something. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was his confidence boost too. And, uh, it just took off from, from there, um, you know, to the, to have the season that he had, um, you know, uh, our championship year and, and going from there. So it was a, it was a really neat, neat process to, to, to figure that all out. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's pretty sweet. You know, you, you mentioned earlier lab that you compete with a lot of these West coast schools, obviously academics are, are really important to Chapman and, and those schools as well. And, you know, you say when you when if you lose a guy to Pepperdine, I think the example you gave, you know, you're recruiting the right guy. So, I mean, how do you how do you kind of set your board, if you will, right? Your recruiting board. I mean, are you looking at guys that are, uh, you know, typically being recruited by D1 schools, or you know, are you looking for you know some late bloomer type guys? And you know, walk us through that process. Sure, um, I, I think that's what ends up happening with those guys being those caliber guys is the byproduct of, of what we start looking for, um, you know, with those good people who have some ability that, that want to learn, um, you know, usually those, those programs are going to be looking for similar types players as well. So, um, it's not necessarily that we go, okay, Hey, Pepperdine's recruiting this guy. We should be recruiting this guy too. Um, no, we, we kind of set our own own board. And I think what's important for a lot of, uh, players, high school players out there to know is that, you know, a lot of division twos, threes, NAIs, you know, we're not two, three years in advance, uh, you know, recruiting. We're, um, we're about a year, you know, a year is usually when we start a year in advance, but you know, the last couple of years, uh, I think maybe because of a little bit of the success, we've been able to go about a year and a half in advance, but that's as far as we want to go. Um, I don't, you know, it, it, I don't want to look at a guy and, and see, you know, some, some great movement, but I know all these division ones are recruiting them as well. Um, you know, I, I don't want to 
you know, waste my time isn't the right right word, but I want to wait for my opportunity uh, because I might be recruiting somebody that said, hey, 86, 87 as a sophomore, um, and you know he keeps growing, and all of a sudden junior year it's you know 89, 90, and here come all the D1s, you know, and and so um, I have to use my time wisely. You know, to some of those things. So those are guys that we might follow, like Nick. Nick was one that you know we we followed, we followed, and when when things started to sputter at the Division One level, then we come in and say, hey, here's the here's the opportunity, and then that's when I can use my experience from being in the same boat as them. You know, playing at Arizona and making the transition to Division Two Riverside, and that's that's not that different. Um, um, another example that I like to use. Christian Cosby, who pitched for us a few years ago, was another trans, um, you know, played every day in the outfield for us as a sophomore and pitched and then just really blossomed, went to the West Coast League and, and blew up. And he was another mid-90s arm that the Royals took in the 14th round um, in 2018. But that 2018 year, the Royals took the two Florida pitchers, if you remember, Coart and uh, the other the other guy. Wow. And, and and in the first round, um, and when Christian went to his first meeting in in Arizona with the Royals, he's sitting right next to both of those guys. So you know, Division three Chapman, Division one Florida, but they're in the same spot. You know, yeah. that's the difference of baseball than all the other sports, is that you can end up in the same spot as, as these guys. And so Nick, you know, being the same way, he's going to end up in the same spot as, as those guys that that went to Florida. Um, and in baseball, you know, the reason that you know that Nick, we got Nick is because he was lacking something, um, and it's not a it's not a bad thing. Um, and, and if we can help fix that then baseball is the game that where you can have that opportunity to to be something special and move on you talk about opportunity a lot and you know obviously d3 provides d2 d3 naia it's not all just the power fives right it's not all going to the big west or the mountain west whatever it might be so i'm curious to know like how big a role or if any role do do bounce backs play for you when it comes to recruiting big um so we um you know, uh, so on that uh, championship team, um, our starting right fielder, Alex Ceruta, well, we were recruited out of high school. He went to BYU, um, played there his freshman fall, just wasn't the right fit, came in at the break. Um, uh, Mac Chelly, who was our DH first baseman uh, on that team, um, went, we recruited him out of high school. He signed at St. Mary's pretty quickly. Wasn't the right fit. He came in his um, January of his freshman um, year. So we've had several guys like that, um, and we always say those guys that hey, they 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 take the opportunity with that recruited walk on at that Division One. Absolutely, I can't fault you for it. Understand it. Um, hey, you know if it doesn't work out the way that you you think, let us know. Um, and so uh, we've been very, very good at that. And those those two are there's probably in my time at Chapman, there's been five or six um, that, that 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 utilize. And, and that's OK. And sometimes you got to figure those things out. Again, like I said, I was one of them, <laughs> you know, yeah. side ended up being the right place for me because I got the opportunity to play and then still sign. Um, you know, Arizona just wasn't the, the, the right fit. And so uh, I understand it from both perspectives there. So with the cancellation of the spring season, obviously recruiting is in limbo, not in limbo, but it's totally different. And we touched on this on the top of the show. And I'm curious to get like a little more detail, like how is recruiting for you right now? I mean, we, we've talked about Zoom and, you know, obviously you're on the horn with with high school coaches a lot, I, I presume. But, yeah, you know, I, I mean, that's aside from the zoom that's pretty common right i mean you're calling those guys anyway so i mean how is it different for you guys right now um you know so not not being on the field the obvious one um and that's the next step uh i think we have a great handle on what we're looking at now in in 21s and 22s and now the next step is to get on the field Uh, but again like i said at the top this is just such a neat time to learn something new uh, and be able to to get ahead and really do a little bit more due diligence still on you know those things do are you good i'm getting to zoom and and talk to players and so seeing them and you know interacting with them maybe a little bit more than we would have in the past uh, prior to getting them on campus or different things like that 
so that's why, like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of good things to learn that we take forward. And, and I, I think if some coaches don't start doing some of these things, they're going to get left behind. And so I, I, I think it's going to move recruiting forward. I really do. Um, and it's one of my things as I grow older, uh, one of my fears is losing touch with the, with the players. Um, you know, it, it's going to happen at some point where I'm just going to be too old not to like their music and, <laughs> and all that stuff. Um, right now, I'm a huge music fan anyway, and so I like all genres. So, then Coach Lav, how do you know that song? Come on, I, that's so and so. I know that who that is. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I think keeping those things are, are going to continue to be important. And so, I just think there's a lot to grow out of recruiting right now. Coach McMullen, I can't say enough uh, about him uh, taking over for, for Coach Fox, who was with me for, for six years. Uh, as our recruiting coordinator now, he's the head coach at Emory Riddle in, in Arizona. Real proud of Coach Fox and obviously the job that he did getting us and, and finding you know, all the players that we had in, in that championship team. But Coach McMullen, what he's done here, uh, you know, since everything, since uh, since COVID started. And I've just been very, very pleased with, with his efforts and, and everything that he's doing. And obviously he got to learn from Coach Fox a little bit and, and maybe one or two things from me. Um, but uh, he's been doing a great job. And so I think we've just been doing the best to try and move recruiting forward. Let's let's have more contact. Let's, let's get a really good feel. Um, help them, uh, help the player and their families feel, you know, what their experience would be at Chapman. Yeah, so, I mean, let, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the spring. I mean, you guys were off to a phenomenal start, right? 12-3, and three, uh, you know, you're about halfway through the season there. Uh, then COVID hits, season canceled. You know, what, what's been the most challenging part of that for you? Um, we could win it all again. Uh, we really felt that we had the team to, to defend. Doesn't mean we, we could. Um at the ABCA convention in, in January in Nashville, Coach Corbin from, from Vanderbilt, uh, you know, the D1 champion is always the first speaker. And, and uh, you know, his thing was, hey, we're going to be really good. The, you know, the, the likelihood that we repeat is small. I mean, you know, the likelihood that Chapman would win it all again is small. But we really had that small chance. We knew that we were one of those teams that could do it, that could be a part of that small chance. And so that was the disappointing thing, especially seeing Nick, his last outing was phenomenal. One swinging bunt hit in six innings. Um, the secondary stuff was, was lights out. Um, it was the best that, that I thought he had looked in a starting role. Um, and uh, so and that was our last game, uh, the, the one that, that he pitched before everything got canceled. So we really felt that we were we're going to do it again. And so that's the the disappointing uh, factor there is is not getting the opportunity to to, to repeat to, to get the opportunity to. Yeah, and 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 how long do you think this is going to impact the college game? Right, because I ask this question of every coach on the podcast, and it's like, you know, obviously the D ones, some schools from a rostering standpoint are really going to be impacted, and they're going to have to do a lot of shuffling. Uh, but I'm curious from your perspective at Chapman, you know, how, how, how do you think this is, how long do you think this will impact the college game? Yeah. Um, D1s are, are going to be a different beast uh, than D2, D3, NAI because of exactly kind of same roster scholarship. How many times, uh, how, what, what other waivers are they going to be granted? Is it going to be a one-year thing? Because then if you, since everybody got a year back, you know, those D1s, if you got freshmen and sophomores that end up using those years of eligibility, that's, that's, you know, and they turn in to be something, uh, you know, that's going to affect 21s and 22s. So that's uh, something I've, I believe that I mean 21s and 22s are. It's going to be hard. Uh, I think there could be some some tough times in there for that, those recruiting classes, and I, I feel for them. Um, but um, for us, it, it's still going to affect us, but less. Um, you know, we had five seniors. All five of our seniors decided not to come back. They're all graduating, uh, so they're not going to use their their year of eligibility. I know that some of our freshmen, sophomore, juniors will. Some won't. Um, you know, just depends. Um, I guarantee you, though, for us, those five seniors not coming back was partially because we probably won it all in 2019. Yeah. So, you know, if we'd have lost, they probably would all been coming back <laughs> to try and do it again. But having that in your in your pocket helped a little bit uh, as well. So. 
Um, but for for Chapman uh, for Division Three, it, it is still going to take a little bit of a hit. Those 21s and 22s, you know, because uh, one of the first things that I do when we get back to campus in, in August is going to be ask all my guys, okay, are, do you plan on using your extra year? Um, you know, it's not going to be a definitive answer, but what what are you thinking? You know, is that something that you you know, do you think have you thought about an MBA or are you going to try this? You know, that's going to keep you here a fifth year that you might actually use it because that's going to affect how we recruit uh, and, and move forward. And then for us, um, our 20 class is we, you know, even the winning the national championship, we were playing three freshmen. We had a freshman at first, a freshman at third, and a freshman at center. Um, and quite so, we were fairly young position player wise and, and had some older pitchers, but um, we're still fairly a young team. And so, uh, our next, our 21 recruiting class isn't going to be that big um, to begin with. So for us, you know, it's impacted, you know, a little bit more because we didn't need a big class to begin with. So there are going to be fewer opportunities for some of those those 21s to to, to break our roster. Um, so I think it, it definitely one of the advice that I've been given high school players is, you know, this is where you really have to do your due diligence during this time and really try and find the right fit, find some place that you can get on soon and, and, and be able to um, get it on their radar so that you can, you, you can hopefully find a home. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you, you brought that up because I was just going to ask you that, right. I mean, the, the cancellation of the season didn't just affect colleges, right? I mean, high school kids, and they're not getting that year back. So, Correct. I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you, what advice do you have for those uncommitted seniors, you know, that lost their senior year, that you know have a chance to potentially play on the next level, whether it's you know one, two, three, or NAIA, uh, yeah. you know, that are still looking for a home. Yeah, uh, that I, I feel for them because. You know the, the the fallback might be a JC, and just think of how many they they got years back too. You know, um, so they're kind of getting double whammied, uh, those twenty twenties especially, um, and I don't know that there's a a, a right answer. Uh, again, it goes back to uh, you got to pound the pavement, um, and you might have to take a chance at at, at something, whether it's a, a JC or uh, or a walk on opportunity. Um, you know, somewhere you, you, you might have to take a chance at, uh, you know, at doing that. It's, it's hard. Um, and you're, you're again, double whammy because of, you know, JC's getting a year back, um, you know, all the other schools, you know, NCAA get a year back, uh, um, you know, as far as so pretty much all those you know, freshmen are still freshmen again. Yeah. You know, so you're you're walking into a, a tough situation. And that also being that this is one of my favorite numbers that I that I talk about in the recruiting process. Um, it's just tough to play collegiate sports. Um, you know, it's 7.2 percent of high school players play in an NCAA program. So Division One, Two, or Three. It's a little higher with JCs and and things, but you know, it, there's just not there's what 20 30,000 high schools across the country and there's fewer than a thousand NCAA schools that participate in baseball just do the math there's just can't be that many <laughs> players that, that that play um and and so that makes it tough as well and that's that's one of the mind-boggling things if you google it if everybody out there if you just google um high school to to NCAA athletics um it's it's really neat to look at all the sports. I mean, men's basketball, two percent um, of high school players play in an NCAA program. I mean, um, it's just really mind-boggling. You know, it just helps put everything in perspective. Going how tough it really is to play at the collegiate level. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. That's that's great. That's great stuff, Lab. But hey, Lab, before I let you go, we do a little rapid fire here uh, with coaches rapid fire. It's kind of a silly, fun way to finish things off here and. Uh, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. First thing that pops yeah. into your mind, just fire away, all right? Yeah. You ready to roll? Go. All right, here we go. Small ball or gorilla ball? Uh, you know, <laughs> small ball. Uh, country or classic rock? Uh, both. Okay. Costco or Sam's Club? Costco. In and out or five guys? In and out. Uh, college football or the NFL? College football for sure. Trackman or Rapsodo? Rapsodo. Uh, favorite vacation spot? Ooh, uh, Australia. Ooh, nice. Uh, yeah. Mac or PC? Uh, PC. 
you're the first guy to say that. That, that, yeah. that a boy. Yeah. Uh, and you're the first guy to go international on me, I think, on the, on the vacation nice. spot. Nice. Uh, best, best singer on the team. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, Nick's not a senior, so I can't say him. Uh, all of them. Okay. Best dancer on the team. Oh, me. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, most memorable team you played on. Oh, uh, oh, gosh. That 94 UC Riverside team. I think I know the answer to this one, but most memorable team you've been a part of as a coach. Yeah, the 2019 yeah. championship. Gotcha. Favorite stadium you've ever been in? Ooh, um, old Yankee Stadium. Uh, favorite sports team? Uh, uh, I grew up Raiders football. Uh, that's probably the one. And, and the Braves. Grew up watching them on TBS. Okay. And lastly, uh, go-to song to sing in the shower. Ooh. Um, right now, it's uh, it's Dua Lipa. One of her Don't Start Now. One of her little pop hits. You know? yeah, I don't even know who that <laughs> is. <See? laughs> Man, yep. That's, that, that's well done. Cool. I'm going to be cool with all the all the kids out there. They're going to know who I am. <laughs> That's fantastic. Lab, man, I uh, can't thank you enough for doing this, dude. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing some insight, dude. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks, Les. I want to thank Chapman University head coach Scott Laverty for joining me on the podcast today. Be sure to check out prepbaseballreport.com for all your news and information. And until next time, we'll see you at the yard.